You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. I really love being able to be part of a world that most people only dream of. You know, I get to travel around, see different water, different animals, just different. It, it just looks so different everywhere I swim, and it's incredible. And I just love being able to be the mermaid I always wanted to be as a kid. Growing up, I was like, I want to be able to swim with the seals and you know, the dolphins and stuff. And I, I literally do that now. It's a dream come true. I've swam in a pod of wild dolphins, which is incredible. And you can't even explain that experience. That was Rose Filer. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, everyone. Welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. I am so psyched to introduce you to today's guest, long-distance open-water swimmer, Rose Filer. Born into athleticism, Rose started skiing as soon as she could walk and went on to compete in high school. In college, she was a D1 rower. And now, just a few years later, Rose is gearing up to complete her last of the three California Triple Crown swims. And... She's also planning to swim the English Channel in 2022. Before we dive in, shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, MOTM. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Now, back to our guest, Rose Filer. On this episode of Marnie on the Move, I sync up with Rose as she embarks upon her quest for upcoming marathon and channel swims. We do a deep dive into the world of long-distance, open-water, cold-water swimming. The training, nutrition, sights, and sea creatures along the way. I definitely ask Rose lots of questions about swimming at night, sharks, jellyfish, trip planning, and get the scoop on some of her greatest adventures. Rose shares the mantras and tools she uses to hone her mental strength, why she loves long-distance swimming, and some of the life lessons she has learned out in the water. Rose also takes us back to her early competitive skiing days, her experiences as a D1 rower and disordered eating as a college athlete, and how overcoming that 
made her a tougher, stronger athlete. And it wouldn't be a true Marnie on the Move episode if I didn't talk about fashion and coffee, which it turns out Rose really loves too. Okay, let's dive in. Rose, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this. I was following you on Instagram. I read about all of your amazing accomplishments. I mean, you are such an incredibly talented and accomplished athlete at such a young age, too. What are you training for at the moment? Well, thank you, first of all. That's such an amazing compliment. And I am currently training to swim the length of Lake Tahoe this summer in July. And then as kind of like a bonus swim, I decided to swim around Coronado Island um, off of San Diego. And that's planned for June. Okay. Yeah. So that's going to be kind of my last like check-in before Tahoe. I'm quite nervous about Tahoe, I think, because it has a reputation for being a really hard swim um, with the elevation. It's freshwater. I tend to have a harder time in the freshwater. You're less buoyant. And then it just, I feel cold. Um, like you a can lot feel it in your bones. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. And- so I was like, I just need... I need a fun swim this summer to amp me up for my my major swim. It's also on my birthday, like Tahoe is. So I'm like, all right, this is no pressure. <laughs> July what is your birthday? Uh, July 20th. So I actually start my swim July 19th and swim through the night and then end on my birthday. <laughs> That's amazing. That's such an amazing thing to do for your birthday. So that means you're a Cancer or are you a Leo? I'm a Cancer, yeah. Awesome. I guess it's a water sign, yeah. That's <laughs> like, so that funny. <laughs> That's that is very funny. I mean, I feel like you probably spent three quarters of your life on the water, if I do the math. Yeah, I've always been drawn to it. Even as a kid, I loved to swim. I maybe didn't do it a lot because of where we were. You know, within Colorado, you're very landlocked. But right. whenever we would go to the pool, I would spend as much time as possible in the water and just loving every single minute of it. So the Lake Tahoe swim. I know it's part of a tr- the Triple Crown Swim Series, which is you've already done two of the, two of those events. Yeah, yeah. So it's part of the California Triple Crown Series. There is also a Triple Crown Series, which is Catalina Channel, English Channel, and then the Around Manhattan Swim, which is in the future for me. <laughs> yeah. But the California Triple Crown is Catalina Channel, Lake Tahoe lengthwise. And then Santa Barbara Channel. Yeah, so the Lake Tahoe length is about 21.3 miles. How long will that take you to swim? Um, so it should take me around, you know, 12 hours if I'm feeling good. Maybe if I'm feeling bad a little bit longer. Hopefully not too much longer. Although my last two swims have been way outside of the expected finish time um, due to the elements and currents and how I was dealing with them. So I'm really hoping it's not an extended swim. <laughs> what was your first swim? Like, when did you decide to start doing these marathon swims? So my first long swim that wasn't a marathon swim, but I thought it was, was actually this 10K up in Sitka, Alaska. And I say it wasn't a marathon swim, but I thought it was because I was only aware of like half of the marathon rules when I started swimming. Oh. And I thought... You just had to swim a 10K. Right. I didn't know you had to swim a 10K with no neoprene. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> yeah. So I went up there and did this 10K in my wetsuit and my, my cap and my gloves and my booties. I came back and I was like, man, I'm a marathon swimmer. And everyone's like, no, you're not. I mean, like, that was great. <laughs> um, but you cheated. And I was like, wait, what? So you have to swim without a wetsuit, basically, yeah, to compete so the, in all these swims. Yeah. Walk me through the process. Yeah. So the rules, um, there's actually not too many rules for marathon swimming. It's pretty like bare bones and it always has been. Um, but the rules haven't really changed, which is really part of the beauty of the sport. To me, you're allowed a regular costume. So that's your regular swimsuit and it can't have like sleeves or anything like that. You're allowed one swim cap. Um, it can't be insulated. You can wear earplugs. Uh, you can wear a nose plug and you can wear goggles and you can use Vaseline or like grease or whatever you want on your body. Some people think it helps keep them warmer. I think it's more of a placebo thing, but it does help with like chafing and stuff. So I use Vaseline and um, Desitin, which is the baby butt cream. Right. <laughs> I, often, I never thought I'd be buying so much Desitin in my 20s. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. The, the, the fun details of sports that we don't talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really not a very glamorous sport. Um, the people who've seen me do long swims have seen everything, like all the emotions. And it's just, you know, after a, a swim like that, you're not sometimes able to take your swimsuit off and get dressed. Like you <laughs> can't even Catalina. move, right? No. After Catalina, my coach had to buckle me in the, my car and then my friend like literally stripped me down in the shower and was like scrubbing my back and then my sister dressed me and I was like, this is great. <laughs> so was that your first marathon swim, the Catalina swim, or was there one before that? Um, that was my first channel swim, but my first marathon swim was actually in Seattle, the Amy Highland swim. That one is 10 and a quarter miles, but it's current assisted. And you start at um, Bremerton and you swim to Alki Point, which is very special in my heart because Alki was the first saltwater swim I did. And that's where I do a lot of my training. So to finish at the lighthouse there is just you feel like you're coming home. And I, I decided to do that swim kind of on a whim, really. Uh, I didn't know much about marathon swimming, but a girl in our group had done the swim, I think the year before, or maybe it was two years before. And she got this like little piece of paper, like certificate that was just absolutely beautiful. And we were sitting inside this coffee shop, like shivering after one of our winter swims. And I was looking at it. I was like, that is so beautiful. Like, how'd you get that? <laughs> And she was like, oh, it's for this, you know, Amy Highland swim. And I was like, that's cool. That's crazy. I didn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around someone swimming that far in the Puget Sound. I mean, in the summer, it's like 55, 57 degrees. Like it's cold. Cold water swimming is such a special thing. Um, how did you get into that? So I think it was just the timing, really. I started to swim because my sister convinced me to sign up for the Boulder Half Ironman. Mm -hmm. I had recently graduated from UW. I wasn't a rower anymore, and I was just lost. I moved to Seattle to row for UW. So my whole time here, you know, I had been Rose Filer, and I was on the UW rowing team. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have that, and I just felt like I didn't have 
an identity anymore, which is maybe a bit dramatic, but that's how it felt. It's all right. You're a cancer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Copy yeah, that. It's okay. <laughs> and I've been doing CrossFit and like trying to fill that void of like sport with CrossFit, but it's more of like a, at least in my mind, it's more of a cross training tool than the sport. It's a lot of load on your body. And I actually have an injured back from rowing. So as you can imagine, that didn't really work out too well. My body just kind of blew up. And so my sister was like, you should really, you know, do the boulder triathlon with me. Like we're both better at endurance sports anyway. You'll probably have a lot of fun with it. But I had done a sprint triathlon a couple years before and the swim was horrible. I just remember feeling like I was going to drown. Like people were swimming on top of me and I was just like, this is <laughs> yep. awful. <laughs> I didn't know it was so different than swimming in a pool. <laughs> right. I know. Um, it's a whole different skill set. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's not swimming. Yeah. So I think we signed up in either, I think it was October because at our gym Halloween party, I remember talking to my friend from the gym who was a swimmer. She had done the English channel in a relay. So I knew she was like, she knows how to do this. So I was like, you got to help me learn, like, take me with you. And she's like, all right, like, let's go wetsuit shopping. And, you know, she really took me under her wing. So I think we went wetsuit shopping November 1st. And then November 2nd was when we jumped in the lake for the first time. In, wow. Um, okay. Started in kind of like a horrible time, but also great. So you just like jumped in, like you were just like, you didn't even think about the temperature. I mean, it was cold, but you just went powered through it in your mind. Yeah, I mean, he was like, I think you're a little crazy for starting in the winter, but you're excited about it. So, yeah, let's go. That's so funny. <laughs> and, you know, she was really great. She made sure that we were only in, I think, for probably 10 minutes because what I think a lot of people don't realize is you get cold when you're in the water, but then you actually get what's called the after drop when you get out. So, you can feel okay while you're swimming, but depending on how fast your transition out of your wet clothes into your warm clothes and like into the warm air is, you can actually keep losing body heat and you'll actually get a lot more cold. So it's kind of like your danger zone. Okay. That's interesting to know. I did not know that. Yeah. So she taught me, she's like, once you get out of the water, like you might not even realize how cold you are. You got to get changed. It's kind of like speed changing you know right <laughs> you're okay the, you're like taking off your wetsuit taking off your swimsuit getting all your layers on and like jumping around like crazy trying to warm up it's quite funny really because you kind of lose a lot of your dexterity so you're like shoving your legs in your pants and kind of not working um you can't really feel anything so you're like I hope my clothes are covering things because I don't know <laughs> right I mean so you're like swimming in the lake you get out you're like on the side of the lake you're not like yeah. getting going into like a nice gym where you're like changing in a locker room like it's freezing out it's yeah. freezing yeah winter swimming is quite hilarious there's a lot of like throwing tea all over yourself because you're like shaking so hard your hands can't hold your cup steady but it's we have a lot of fun with it Ooh, um, tell me more yeah <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just kind of get a little silly in the cold, I think. But I think that's kind of what I love about it. Mm -hmm. I think we tend to take ourselves too seriously, just people in general. Yeah. And athletes as well. I know I have in the past really struggled with that. And it's just it's such a nice release because it's really hard to take yourself seriously when you can't even zip up your jacket. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're just like, OK, like this is this is fine. Um, and it's just fun um people will laugh a lot it's so you don't wear a wetsuit really when you swim anymore at all I don't no 
I have worn it a couple times this season just because uh, until very recently, all my pools were closed. And so it was getting to the point where I was like, I need to get some longer swims in. But if it's, you know, 45 degrees in the water and the air is even colder than that, you don't want to be stupid. You don't want to become a liability. Right. So I did actually put on a wetsuit, get some long swims in. was like, all right, I'm getting some distance in, getting my training in. But I do most of my swims and probably soon all of my swims with no wetsuit. What's the temperature? What's the ideal temperature? I mean, obviously 80 degrees, but what's the temperature that's ideal for you? That's like the tipping point of like when you will wear a wetsuit, like in the air and in the pool. So right now I'll only wear a wetsuit if I'm planning on being in the water like an hour and a half or longer. And right now I haven't checked the temperature in a while, but I think it's around 46. Okay. I'm comfortable. Once it gets to 50, I feel pretty good. And 53 is like pretty nice. 55 is that's like summer okay. in the south anyway. So 55 in the salt water, I feel pretty good and can go for quite a bit of time. <laughs> and, and what does the temperature outside have to be? The air temperature? Yeah, sorry, the air temperature. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I have, I don't really know off the top of my head. I feel, I don't check the temperature as much as I should when it's like 30 degrees. It's horrible. Right. Um, but probably, I mean, I guess probably in like the 55 range, it's not too bad. We went to Austin for, to do a triathlon and we thought, you know, Austin is hot. It's Texas. It's going to be warm. It was 45 degrees out and we were doing a triathlon and we got to the water in the morning and there was like the water was like 70 degrees. It was like w- warmer than the air. So it was uh-huh. so weird. And a lot of people actually that were doing the race, the pros, they went into hypothermic shock because it was bad. It's crazy. Yeah. The, the air temp makes such a big difference. Yeah. And like this too, even if it's not super warm, but if the sun is out, like I feel a million times better than if it's raining. Yeah. So now what's your training like? I mean, as you're sort of, you know, I definitely want to hear about the Santa Barbara swim because that just sounds so crazy. And I know you mentioned that you swim at night. I have so many questions, but what's your training like right now as you gear up towards these June and July swims? Yeah, right now I'm still in like the building stage. So I'm averaging about 20K a week. And so I'm swimming around five to six days a week. And sometimes if work is a little bit crazy, you know, I might be swimming four or five days, but one of those days is like a double swim day, okay. um, which I try not to do too often because it's just kind of annoying. But I also do a lot of cross training. And I think for me, it's important. I feel better physically if I'm cross training, but also mentally. I just have more fun if I have kind of a different outlet and I'm not like if I have a hard swim that didn't go as well, then if I go have a fun bike ride, it's like a really great reset. Right. I like your bike, by the way. You have a cool bike. It's like pink oh, on Instagram. It's new. <laughs> My bike was stolen kind of at the beginning of the lockdown in Seattle. And that was a huge bummer, but I got a new bike and it's beautiful. It's my baby. It's so cool. I love it. You're, so you're not really doing triathlon now, but you'll ride your bike and you're obviously swimming. Yeah. I am very interested in triathlon. The only problem is the run, (laughs) which is a big part of triathlon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I kind of like to run, but I don't like to run enough that I 
am motivated to train. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> but I do want to do a full triathlon someday. So I guess I'm going to have to get over that. <laughs> but right now I just bike a lot for fun. It's been really great because it's a really social thing. I have a couple friends that I bike with and I have one friend that we usually do a long ride every week and it's just a really great reset and it's always a good time. And that's been kind of like my main social interaction this last year, which is <laughs> kind of sad, but you know. Are you just focused on doing like long swims when you're training or do you do short swims and speed work? What's the training like to train for that kind of swim? There's definitely a good mix of long swims and some speed work. I'm doing more speed work this year than I think I ever have just because that's where I lack right now. Um, I'm not a very fast swimmer. I can swim for a very long time, though. Right. Right. Well, you're either one or the other, I think. I don't know. That's just like with all sports, right? Like you're either a sprinter or you can do endurance. I mean, you have a preference. Yeah. I'm trying to get like a little faster. It was pretty funny. I have recently started swimming with this master's team over on Mercer Island. And the first day I showed up, the guy was like, okay, like this next interval, like really go for it, like sprints. And I was like, I did. <laughs> and he was like, oh, you have one speed. I was like, yes, indeed, I do. That's <laughs> <Sorry>. so funny. <laughs> working to get faster. Um, hopefully it's it's working. I, I feel like I'm getting a little faster. I did test my 500 the other day and knocked off some time. So that was pretty exciting. But I usually do like one or two speed workouts or like one speed workout, one drill workout. It's a little bit shorter. And there are different drills for open water swimming than for swimming in the pool, right? I mean, what are your drills like? So I am focusing a lot right now on my hand placement and then like my elbow. And I did a weird, um, I'm kind of self-taught swimming, so I'm not really sure what I'm talking about, but that's okay. I I don't know how to swim. (laughs) I just do. I'm the same. I just get in the water and like, that's the first part of my triathlon. And I'm like, I just jumped in the lake one day and I haven't drowned. So like, I think I'm good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's working. Whatever I'm doing is working. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I, I do tend to kind of cross in a little bit with my hand placement. And the first few years I swam, I would enter with like my thumb in first, which is really bad for your shoulder. It can cause a lot of like impingement issues, which I did have and actually had a pretty big shoulder injury leading into Catalina, partially probably to do with that. Right. So I worked a lot on like putting my hand in, you know, straight, I guess. So that's something that you're focusing on just to like get better Mm -hmm. and avoid injury. Yeah. And just, I guess I tend to have a kind of high stroke rate that's not very efficient. So I'm trying to kind of calm down and actually get some pull with each arm instead of just like spinning the wheels a little bit. Right. Well, I mean, and that makes sense because you have to be so much stronger to do the endurance stuff, like mentally and physically. And also the conditions are just like, it's not like you're swimming in a pool. Like you never know what the conditions are going to be like. Right. And I think that's something that gets overlooked a little bit. Sometimes I have people that are like, oh, well, what, what's your average pace? I'm like, well, outside it depends. It depends on if you're with the current or against it what the wind is doing and you know if you're getting like hit with waves and stuff like that so it just it's really interesting to swim open water because you're you're so tiny out there yeah which I, I love but it's just kind of like you don't have like you kind of have an average pace but it's really dependent on the conditions what are some of the most like challenging conditions that you've been in 
I would say off the top of my head, probably my Anacapa swim, which was the Santa Barbara channel. And I don't know, I think that was kind of like a compound thing because I was supposed to swim Wednesday morning, but we moved my swim up last minute due to a windstorm. And I actually started, I believe it was Tuesday night at like seven o'clock. So I swam through the night, which night swimming has always been pretty difficult for me. I don't really love the dark. <laughs> right. And it's really dark out there, right? That, that's hard. It's really disorienting. Okay. Uh, yeah. And the stars are kind of, they kind of make you dizzy or me dizzy. I don't know. I guess I can't speak for everybody. Um, and then if you're in the open ocean and it's the right time of year and whatnot, you get the bioluminescence, which is incredible. And I highly recommend trying to experience that sometime because it's like, it's like little fairy tale, like sparks, like coming off your fingers as you're swimming through the water. And it's really sparkly and super pretty. It sounds beautiful. It's amazing. The first time I really swam in it was Catalina. And I think I stopped and I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, it's so sparkly in the water. And everyone on the boat just laughed and they were like, who is this girl? <laughs> like, That's I don't so know. funny. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. It's just so fun. But the conditions besides it being at night, it was still pretty windy. It wasn't the super high winds that they were expecting the next day. But I just remember being like in the ocean swell and then having wind and chop coming at me and like into my face. Wow. And I was actually seasick that whole night. So you like so that, basically that throw up in the water <laughs> while you're swimming. Yeah. Yeah. And my coach was like, just make sure to like, throw up behind you and then swim away like throw up behind you swim away <laughs> I was like oh my gosh I just don't want to be here <laughs> how do you put together one of these swims like do you have you obviously have a coach who you're training with like how do you put your team together and how do you go about picking like which swims to do and how, like how does that all work for you yeah I love this question it's so interesting because it's really different than anything I've ever tried to plan before um, as far as picking my swim, I really go based on like what my heart is telling me to do, which sounds kind of wishy-washy, I guess. But I feel like if you're going to really pour like your training and your money and everything into the swim, you really want to feel like some kind of magnetic pull to it. In my first swim that I signed up for, the Amy Highland one, I signed up for it because I was literally not sleeping at night because I was thinking about it and wondering what it would be like to do that swim. And the day after doing that swim, I woke up and was like, I got to swim Catalina. Like I just want to do it. And I was on fire for it. So I kind of sign up for a swim if I really feel passion about it. And then it's kind of weird, but your first step is to book your boat pilot, which seemed very backwards to me I was like well why would I book a pilot if I haven't filled out the application yet but that's right. just that's just how this works <laughs> so you have to apply to do the swim first like you have to get a permit so it kind of depends on the swim that you do I haven't actually made my own route yet but I want to and I think if you make your own route it's a little bit different versus doing one of these organized swims it depends on how large the organization is but Typically, like you can look on their website and they'll tell you this is the day that applications will open for the season. Make sure you have these things done beforehand. And um, they'll usually have a list of pilots that are certified to escort swimmers um, on that particular route. So I usually 
send emails to all those pilots and like, hey, I'm interested in doing this swim around this time. Do you have availability? What is, you know, the cost look like for you? And I kind of narrow it down based on cost and availability, but then also kind of who I feel comfortable talking with because the pilot is they're in charge of your life, which is kind of crazy to think about. But it's like, you know, you have this random person, basically, who's escorting you across the ocean, like taking care of you, making sure you're safe. So I want to feel comfortable talking to them and know that I trust them. Right. So you kind of get a feel of that just based on your interaction through email. And if you call them and stuff. That's such a cool job that they have. It's a really I never even thought about that. Yeah. Are like fishing boat pilots, I believe. Right. Maybe to- on that but I think so and so then they like help escort swimmers as well like for fun it's fun to talk to them about like the different experiences they've had I felt bad my Anna Kappa pilot was like oh yeah I love the Anna Kappa swim it's so fun it's so short and then my swim ended up being really long and I think almost everybody on the boat was seasick and I was like well (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) that's awesome oh my god yeah yeah and For the English Channel, I actually booked my pilot, I booked him like two and a half years out because it's a very popular swim. They book up super fast versus the Anacapa swim last summer. I reached out that summer to organize it. It was kind of a last minute deal. So do you always have like a general base that you like to maintain so you can like pop into an event or a swim where you don't have to plan it like a year out? Uh, I would love to say yes, but no. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Actually, out of my really long swims, I ended up taking two months off. I took two months off after Catalina and then had to like basically start over. And then after Anna Kappa, I took almost three months off. I was very traumatized from that swim, like emotionally. And I, I tried to get in the water. I think it was like two or three weeks after my swim and I actually was only in for about 10 minutes and I left the beach crying. So Why it was, was it so-, so hard just to get back in the water and it was such a hard swim? Yeah, my, because it was through the whole night and I just, it wasn't a fun swim for me. I'm very, very glad I did it and I'm super thankful for the experience. I think it was kind of invaluable experience, like really pushing through difficult conditions and I had a little bit of communication issues with the kayaker and then my observer and myself. And so it was just kind of like a lot of that, mm-hmm. but I've never been like that upset in the water for such a long time. Right. And when I got out, I didn't even celebrate on the beach. I just looked at my coach and was like, thank God I'm done. Let's go back to the boat. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, okay. <laughs> I totally understand. Yeah. And so I actually like had kind of a flashback to the middle of the channel when I got back in with my friend a couple weeks later and I was like, I have to get out. Like I feel seasick. I feel like I'm, you know, super panicked. And I was actually really worried that I'd lost the love of the sport. My coach was like, just, you know, take a couple months off. Don't get in the water. Just go do your biking thing and come back eventually. So I don't have a base that I maintain. I try to start swimming in like, December, which is right in the, in the winter, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the winter, it's like my thing. Yeah, I think it's good to kind of have a break and do something different for a while, but that's just the approach that works for me. Yeah, no. And so you said you booked your pilot, your boat pilot, for mm-hmm. the English Channel in 2022. That's your plan. Yes. Yeah. So I have 
booked my pilot. I've sent him, you know, two deposits or one deposit now. The next one's coming up. So then you usually apply for your swim year of. So you're just, now I'm just kind of like waiting. It's a weird thing. Like you're doing it, but it's not quite official because you haven't officially filled out the application and been approved. I don't know why I wouldn't be. Right. But, you know, that's always a worry I have. I'm like, well, what if they say no? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'll cross that bridge if, if it comes to that. But it's a very weird thing. You book your pilot and then you do your training. you got to figure out who your team is. Right now, it's kind of weird because they're working on a really limited amount of people on the boat with COVID. So I'm used to having two or three people on the boat. So one person, my crew chief, is in charge of the swim and the feeds and all of that. And then I typically have a support swimmer. So you're allowed to have someone jump in and swim usually like 30 minutes at a time with you. And they can only swim, depending on the swim, they can swim 30 minutes and then have to be out for an hour and they can only swim a certain amount of times. Um, And then usually like another person just for backup, I guess, or for fun. But this last year I just had my coach. So I swam the whole thing by myself, which was a little depressing because <laughs> um, it's nice to have someone in the water with you kind of is, like swimming yeah. even if you're not talking you're just like next to each other yeah I've I've brought one of my closest training buddies with me before and it's just nice because it's very comforting to have someone else in the water with you just knowing you're not alone so if I tend to like drop my pace or if I get a little bit freaked out or you know whatever if you're in kind of a funk it's really nice to have that person that can kind of jump in you can feed off of each other's energy it just kind of helps relax me a little bit right I mean it takes a lot of mental strength to swim so how do you get yourself out of a spiral I'm asking this also from my personal swim experience of like how I do triathlon which is crazy but like I know that I know that it takes so much mental strength to like come out of like whatever's going on in your mind especially when you're in the water yeah It depends on exactly what's going on. So with Catalina, I had a shoulder injury. So my shoulder started hurting a lot. So one thing I've actually, I have a, like a mental training coach, if you will, that I work with all the time. And she's given me a lot of great tips. And she's like, if you're worried about your shoulder, maybe think about how your toes feel. Like if your toes feel good, maybe your feet feel good. And just kind of, you know, think about everything else that's going well, or that feels good. And you kind of are able to minimize what doesn't feel good. If I'm freaked out, I get my imagination runs away in the water. Sometimes I yeah, you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, if I'm training, and I get really freaked out, there's always the option of getting on land, standing up for a minute, maybe getting my breath, I can get back in the water. I've done that a few times. I try not to, but sometimes it just, I'm a very panicked swimmer. People think I have it all together, but I don't. <laughs> if you swim with me, you'll you'll understand. I just get worried about sharks, even in the lake. I don't know. It's a weird fear of mine. <laughs> I feel like, how are we not best friends? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know what it is about the water, but as soon as I, I am, I'm a strong swimmer. I can mm-hmm. bang out miles in the pool. Put me in the yeah. open water, and it's it could be flat and beautiful, and I'm swimming, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, did I just touch a jellyfish? I'm like, it's I'm in a bay. There. There's no sharks in the bay, right? No <laughs> sharks. There's not even there. It's too warm. It's too shallow. They're not coming. I'm like, what if one comes? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna eat no, me? I, yeah. I literally swam a 5k in the lake for sure 
that I was going to be eaten by a shark that I was just, I was a hundred percent positive was somehow there. <laughs> I don't, I agree with you. It's just really scary out there. So how do you like <laughs> that is a, that is a scary thing to think about, especially when you're swimming at night. Like how do you get, and, and really are sharks dangerous when you're swimming in the water with them? I mean, I guess yes and no. I mean, I was definitely worried the last two summers, my swims have been in California in shark in waters. Fact, yeah. Um, and Catalina, I was super worried about the sharks until I got in the water. And then for some reason I didn't think about them. I don't know why. Uh, and I really wasn't worried. Um, and then Anna Kappa, I'm pretty sure I saw one, but I was like, guys, there's a shark. And everyone's like, no, there's not. And I was like, I think there is. And they're like, you didn't see anything. And I was like, oh my God, well, what do I do? And they're like, just keep swimming. You're fine. So I think a lot of it for me is just kind of really trusting the people around me. And it, it is really hard because I, I was 100% sure I saw a shark and they're all telling me I didn't. Right. Just keep swimming. So I, I have like the little Dory motto in my head a lot. Mm-hmm. Just keep swimming. You're okay. Just keep swimming. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one though. It is a good one. Yeah. My sister gave me another one that she she's a through hiker and she's used it on a couple of her hikes that have been you know, she's been struggling and I changed it a little bit, but my mantra is like, I'm stronger than I think I am. I'm better than I think I am. I can do this. And I kind of just repeat that, like it in tune with like my stroke rate, I guess, or on beat with my stroke. And I just say that over and over and over again until I get out of whatever funk I'm in. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. I might have to use that. That's a really good one. I highly recommend it. It works for me. That's really great. What is it that you love about swimming? Like, what's the magic of swimming for you? Yeah, I would say for me, I there's so much I love about it, but I really love being able to be part of a world that most people only dream of. You know, I get to travel around, see different water, different animals, just different. It, it just looks so different everywhere I swim, and it's incredible. And I just love being able to be the mermaid I always wanted to be as a kid you know growing up I was like I want to be able to swim with the seals and you know the dolphins and stuff and I I literally do that now so it's just it's a dream come true I've swam in a pod of wild dolphins which is incredible and you can't even explain that experience is it like an energy are they like talking or they They like you can hear them talking they're all chattering away they're like jumping around you and like spinning underneath of you it's they're so playful. They're so funny. The seals are also very playful and sometimes they'll kind of like touch your toes and it's a little unnerving, but it's super fun because they're so cute. They're like little water puppies. Yeah. You just want to hug them. (laughs) Have you seen any like really crazy fish that you're like, oh my God, that's so amazing. So probably my favorite fish is the spotted ratfish that we have a lot of actually over in off of like the Alki Beach area. And the first time I saw it, it scared me half to death. It looks kind of like a dragon. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a water dragon. <laughs> You're like, the Loch Ness Monster and... is here. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is scary fish. But two of my friends are really knowledgeable about all the creatures in the water where we are. One of them is actually a marine biologist. That's a good friend to have. Yeah. It is because she can explain to me everything I'm seeing and that's freaking me out. She's like, well, actually, it's really cool because it's this thing and it does all these great things for the the environment around it. I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. (laughs) 
but yeah, she's like, that's a, that's a spotted ratfish. And I learned to really love them. Um, they're probably my favorite fish. I think that's probably a good way to approach it too. It's like to understand what's in the water around you and mm-hmm. like, like the culture of the water and not to be afraid, but to embrace it and to learn to like love it and appreciate what everybody's job is in the water. Right. Yeah. And it's actually, it's kind of a big part of marathon swimming is to be like a steward of the water and to help protect everything that's in the water, you know? Um, Because we do, besides people studying them, like we get to know these creatures better than anybody else. I actually have seals up in Seattle where I swim that I've followed for a couple of years. Like I can tell them apart based on their different markings. And my coach has been, she's really good at like underwater photography, which is really hard. Um, I'm not very good at it, <laughs> but she can take really amazing photos. And we've been basically tracking these seals for years. And it's really incredible to watch them grow up and you just feel so close to them. And that's a really unique thing. Do you get like a brief of what's in the water before you go? It depends. Like for training, usually no. I just kind of go and see what's there. <laughs> On my like bigger swims, I it's kind of a bad thing. Sometimes I get like I freak myself out because I want to know what to expect, but I also don't want to know. Right. So I'll do like a decent amount of research and try to see what's in the water, um, just so I, I guess, know what I should be worried about or not. Right. Um. Or maybe, you know, if there's something cool I should look for. Like, I was really excited to go to California and swim with dolphins. And then I swam with dolphins for hours. And I was like, this is amazing. It's so funny because um, my friend who's a swimmer in New York swims. Uh, she swims in New Jersey and she swims with dolphins all the time. I'm like, there are dolphins yeah. in New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're the best. They're so fun. They're really sassy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get out like I have to that is one one thing I want to work on and I say this on like every podcast when I talk to someone who's a swimmer is I really really want to work on my swimming and getting out past like some of the initial waves so that I can enjoy the ocean but it's that's a like a I think for me it would be if I lived near the water where I could go a few times a week I might be more comfortable getting in because you know I, I find that when I'm out in the Hamptons in the summer, there's a place I like to swim and Mm -hmm. there's no sharks. There's no, like they, like it's a bay, but like whenever I get in, I think there's sharks. And then by the end of the summer, I'm totally cool. And I know there's nothing in there and it's like the perfect place for me to swim. And sometimes it's a little choppy and there's a race I do there. So it's like a small little bay, (laughs) literally. (laughs) I did a swim. We went to, we did a, a swim in Montauk in the ocean I just, for whatever it is, I just can't, like, mentally, I cannot get out past a wave. And I grew up in the beach. Like, there's no real, like, legitimate reason why I'm, like, afraid to do this. But whatever. It was really freaky to feel like when I was out, when I did the swim in Montauk, um, I swam with a lifeguard. Like, I was hanging onto their leg, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really embarrassing, but I just wanted to do the <laughs> swim, so I didn't care. I didn't know anyone. Yeah. So it was fine. And I swam like half a mile. Like I was so, it was in the ocean where people surf and there really are sharks there. Like it's, they're there. But it was so amazing. But one thing that I've got like really nervous about was I was moved on from the sharks. I was nervous I was going to be stuck out in the ocean because I didn't know how I was going to get in past the waves. (laughs) I mean, that's what your mind does, right? Yeah, I mean, I... It is weird. And like, I mean, I train a lot in the lake or in the Puget Sound and we don't really have like the breaking waves that you have 
down in California, like I actually had to practice getting in and out of the water because it is really different. Okay. So yeah, I don't think you're crazy. (laughs) 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 It is a skill that people actually practice. Okay, good. Good to know. You're too hard on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I am hard on myself, but I do, I do. It is something like when I hear about the swims that you're doing, they just sound so incredible. Like when I read about some of these Olympic, you know, swimmers and, you know, Diana Nyad and like all these amazing people and women who are like doing these incredible swims and especially hearing the stories of like the challenges and, you know, swimming at night and all those things. It just sounds so incredible to me. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely recommend the swimming. It's, it's so fun. It's so rewarding. Sometimes people ask me, you know, how much does it cost to do this? And yeah, like, well, I was started asking you those things before and then I got like yeah, caught off. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can give you like the cost breakdown of like what it is yeah. for your boat and, you know, all of that. Like usually for a longer swim, your boat's going to be around a couple thousand dollars. So they're not cheap. Right. <laughs> it was really funny. Actually, when I started swimming, I was so proud of myself because, you know, coming from ski racing, that's a very expensive sport. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, like mom and dad, I found a great sport. It's like practically free. I just <laughs> no <need> gear. <laughs> do cap and goggles. I'm good to go. And then I started signing up for these swims. And, you know, the local swims are, you know, $50, $100, not a big deal. And then I was like, I want to do this like marathon swim thing. And I guess I got to hire a boat. And then you're, you're looking at a couple thousand dollars for the boat and then plane tickets, your Airbnb. The swim itself is usually around 500 Right. To like register for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they handle the permits and like there's stuff with, you know, the Coast Guard and depending on where the swim is, if you're crossing any kind of um, border, you know, that's probably expensive. I don't really know because I just give the fee to the people that that tell me they need it. Right. Um, Yeah. And then you also um, you pay it's well custom and it's nice to pay the everyone on your boat like tip. Right. Um for being out there because I mean you know they're up all night watching you swim (laughs) I have the fun part I'm swimming and they're just watching me so right um usually that's another like 50 or 100 or so to each person on the boat so it's quite expensive so I can give like the dollar amount of a swim but really if you were to ask me to put a price on like the experience I can't because swimming a channel is absolutely priceless yeah. And I would have gladly paid so much more than I have, you know. So and it's just it's a weird thing. <laughs> no, I mean it's an experience that is invaluable. Mm-hmm. I mean there are costs associated with it, but do you have a lot of sponsors that, you know, support your swims when you do them? Not really. I'm an ambassador for a few different program or like um companies. So I work with uh New Wave Swim Buoy. I, you know, tag them in all of my social media and I really appreciate what they're doing as far as getting everybody set up with buoys and they have like the bright swim caps. I'm a huge advocate for those. Um, and then I'm an ambassador for the Jolin, uh, swimwear. If you've heard of them, absolutely obsessed with their swimsuits. They're the most comfortable, cutest swimsuits I've ever worn. Okay. Probably never really wear anything else. (laughs) And, um, I'm actually on the ambassador team for noon now as well. Excellent. So I don't really have like sponsors, but you know, any, anything that you can get like discounted is really helpful. Um, and just like the community as well is really helpful. Cause a lot of them will have like an ambassador program where you get to 
kind of meet and connect with other athletes and just being able to bounce ideas off of other people and just encouraging others on their journey and have them encourage you is really helpful. Yeah. So I haven't really gotten like real sponsorships or anything, but I definitely have like different communities that are like supporting and, you know, helping me out. So yeah, no, I'm just because I know you have a big swim coming up, right? I mean, the English Channel is a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are you excited about for that swim? Like, what is what is the adventure that you're looking forward to? Yeah, so for me, I've actually never been out of the U.S., so <laughs> I'm actually really excited to just leave for a little bit <laughs> and to come back. Um, but I'm excited for the opportunity to travel because I've never done that. And then, you know, I've done a channel swim and that was super impactful on me and just changed my view of what is possible for me. But I'm excited to see what it feels like to swim from England to France. Like to me, that's just like, it's such that's a so weird cool. mind around, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to swim to France. Like, oh, so I'll good. be back in a couple hours. I'm just going to France. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be back later. (laughs) That's so funny. You should have, like, the people on the boat start speaking French to you when you cross over. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just have my sister on there because I think she speaks some French. (laughs) Is your sister? So who's going with you to do the English Channel? So my coach and then I think two of my swim buddies. I actually, it's not really official yet like I haven't really decided yet I'm assuming my family will try to be there I I know they will try to be there I hope they will be there other than that I haven't I've been so wrapped up in just planning for this This summer summer, that I haven't even thought past that yet when is it in 2022 (laughs) my window is June oh gosh I think it's June 19th through something 19th or 16th it's the end of June so it's going to be cold which is gonna be hard and I'm a little nervous about that but I I have the perfect area to train for the cold so it'll be good (laughs) yeah (laughs) yay (laughs) endurance sports and athleticism are in your DNA let's just say Mm -hmm. that I mean before you started swimming you were a d1 rower at University of Washington how did you get into rowing and would you ever go back to it I would maybe go back to it I think it kind of depends on my body I injured my back. So I actually have three um, partially herniated discs in my low back and I have degenerative discs from my dad's side of the family. So I didn't really know that when I signed up to row, I kind of stumbled across rowing as like an accident, kind of like I accidentally found swimming. Okay. Um, I like your accidental sports that (laughs) propel you into (laughs) great challenges and achievements. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'd always wanted to be a D1 athlete in my mind growing up. That was like, really big and super cool. It's what I wanted to do. And I just kind of, you know, had to be real with myself. And I was like, I'm not there with skiing. I'm not because so, you grew up skiing. skiing. Yeah, I grew up ski racing. My parents put my sisters and I on skis, like pretty much we were babies, you know, like, Oh, you can walk and run around and like, you're old enough, you can ski. <laughs> and I they put us in the ski team because they were they actually didn't grow up skiing, but they learned to ski later. And they were told, you know, if you put your kids in the ski team, they'll become really good skiers. They can ski the rest of their life. And it's true. I actually just skied last Friday for the first time in years. And I think my first run was like a black diamond or something because I just went with my roommate and she's like, let's go up here and do this fun run. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so just the fact I feel comfortable on skis. Skis are basically like shoes for me is really amazing. But 
I did have to come to terms with the fact that I wasn't good enough to race at a D1 level in college, and that was pretty upsetting. At the time, my ski team was training at CrossFit a couple times a week, and I remember being really upset, kind of talking to the head coach there, who he was a very big mentor in my life in high school growing up, and he sat me down on an erg and had me do a 2K, which is like your standard uh, rowing test, and I had a blast. I was like, that was kind of fun. And I left, <laughs> came back the next day and he was like, yeah, so you can walk onto a D1 rowing team. Oh, I was oh like, my really? God. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you should do that. Um, and he'd actually, he'd gotten some contacts of other girls who'd walked onto rowing teams and he helped me set up, you know, like coffee dates with them to kind of go over what it looks like, you know, what is this sport? Cause I didn't know anything about rowing. Um, and I started basically recruiting myself. I sent emails to coach and was like, hey, I think I want to do this. Um, <laughs> think I might be okay at it. My first 2K was, it was sub eight minutes. It was still pretty, um, it was like 740 something probably, which now I'm like, oh gosh, that's slow. But at the time it was really fast <laughs> for a new rower and like, you know, a younger girl. So I was pretty excited about it. And the coach at UW was like, yeah, you know, come out for a visit. And honestly, when I pulled up their website, I knew it was a school for me. I just felt like I had to go there. And it turns out my grandpa rode at UW and I just didn't really put oh, two and so two funny. together. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I knew he had been a rower, but I wasn't super close with him and I didn't know anything about rowing, wasn't really interested in it and was like, okay, whatever you did that. That's cool. And then, unfortunately, he'd already passed, but uh, I was applying. My mom was like, you know, that's where your grandpa Owen rode. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> so that was just really amazing. And I actually felt like I got a lot closer. Like, I felt closer with him because we both rode for the program, which is really special. But you came in fourth at the NCAA championships in your junior year, which is huge. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, um, I did because I'm still not upset about it because I really put everything I had into that race and I know that my whole boat did yes but our goal was to be on podium and we missed it and that was actually my first loss to another school was at NCAA so that was it's a very <laughs> kind of bitter <laughs> for me looking back now I'm like that was an incredible experience but in the moment I was just upset yeah of course yes yeah and I think you know I was the stroke seat of the four so there's a little bit of like what could I have done better guilt Got if it. you will yeah yeah so you were but hard on yourself a little bit yeah <laughs> best and worst trait yeah but yeah, I mean, I think rowing really taught me a lot about pushing my boundaries, pushing, you know, my comfortability. Uh, the coaches would always say, like, you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like, that's how you win. And I've really carried that through with my swims. It's not comfortable, as you know, being an endurance athlete. Like, it it hurts. Right. It's a very, like, type two, even type three kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely had my fair share of tears in the water due to frustration and pain and just being completely exhausted and knowing like I can really tap into the dark hole or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, the... And that's something I learned from rowing. Yeah. Pulling for your teammates. And I still, I'll still kind of, 
use that. Like your coxswain will be like, okay, you got to do, you know, power 10. I'll kind of power 10 in my own head when I swim, if I get really stuck, I'm like, all right, 10 strokes for your family, like 10 strokes for your sisters, like do it. Cause I feel like if I can push myself for somebody else, it kind of works a little bit better sometimes. Oh, that's great too. That's a, I didn't, I've never heard of power 10. That's great. That's a really good thing to think about as well. Like, because it does, because sometimes your, your mind, you're so smart that you can like outsmart yourself. Right. So if you Mm -hmm. can do it for someone else, it can help. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can just break it down, you know, because we would always walk through our 2K and like, you know, 500 piece segments. Right. Um, so that's something that I kind of try to take into my life now is like, all right, if this problem, if it's work related or, you know, athletically related, like if I can break it down into something smaller and approach it in chunks, it makes it a lot more like easy to handle you know yeah I started doing that with um swimming in triathlon I started like I just go from buoy to buoy I mean I don't literally stop at the buoy but in my mind like yeah and then once I'm out there on the finish if you're not even halfway there yet you need to present (laughs) I have like this thing like the first three buoys I convince myself that if I don't like it I can get out and then when I'm halfway through I'm like all right you're halfway through like you really going to get out? you know? <laughs> and then yeah. like I go like say there's like 10 buoys and like buoy seven. I'm like, get the fuck out of my way. I'm swimming to the end. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. That's how I get through swimming. Long distance, cold water and marathon swimming is such a niche group of swimmers and very popular where you live. It's so funny that you know Jess from Mad Ritual. Such a cool network of people and community. It is. Especially in the cold. <laughs> yeah, cold water swimming. I mean, Jess is, yeah. So I'll do it one of these days, but um, but yeah, one of these days. Yeah, well, it definitely helps having a group. I mean, we've got a pretty good group out here that meets regularly, and that definitely gets me, like, amped up for it sometimes. Like, just go and see your friends, and then they convince you to get in the water somehow. Right. I mean, have you ever thought of doing a book, too, or you're just, like, slow, you're, you're enjoying the swim? <laughs> I haven't yet. I mean, it's been really interesting because I feel like I've kind of just stumbled into where I am. I didn't intend to become a marathon swimmer. I didn't intend to, you know, try to do the triple crown or like both the triple crown series, you know, and now it's the goal to get them done by the time I'm 30. And that do you was have just to do them in a certain time frame, the triple crowns? You don't actually, which is cool. I guess like some people try to do them in a year, but I don't know how you would like financially. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you need like serious sponsors. Like, yeah, like that's each like twenty grand, are... right? Oh yeah, I mean, I I spend about five grand on a swim, right? And you're just like, and you did how many of those in a year? Yeah, <laughs> Do you work? I don't know. Like, <laughs> so I didn't really plan on like being where I am. So I've just kind of like this is the first kind of bigger thing I've done really with my swimming. I feel like swimming has kind of opened me up to a lot of different possibilities that I've never even thought of you know because I've just been living it day to day and just like oh this is a fun thing I do and yeah you know one of my coaches actually she's a um, triple crown swimmer she's a frosty triple crown swimmer because she's done an ice mile too oh my god and a lot of the people I surround myself with and I think it's a fairly common like athletic problem but I tend to surround myself with people who are better than me so I don't even realize the level I'm at because all my friends are better <laughs> right yeah I know so, that's an athlete thing too for yeah sure. <laughs> People are like, oh my God, you're so cool. I'm like, am I though? Because like, I just know really cool people. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's perspective too. Like I have to say that I definitely hang with a lot of athletes and 
and then when I hang with my friends who are not athletes, like they think I'm like a crazy athlete and I'm like, I just did like a half Ironman. Right. Like, you don't know crazy athletes till you meet my swim run friends, you know, like mm-hmm. they just, it is you, totally yeah. perspective. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's something I've learned a lot. Cause like when I was ski racing, I mean, I was racing fist, which is like an international circuit. You don't have to be racing international, but it is a high level competitive field. And I just grew up and like went through all the race categories until I was there and didn't really, you know, you know, it's a big deal and it's cool, but all your friends are doing it. So you're like, it's not that cool. And I didn't really have like the appreciation for the level I was at until, you know, now looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, that was really cool that I did that. I had no idea I was doing that really, you know, right? because it wasn't work. It was just like fun and you just did it naturally. you you, You just worked your way there. You know, my friends were doing it. I was doing it. My sister was an elite gymnast for a little bit. I mean, my whole family is very athletic, so. Are your parents still athletic? They went backpacking in the Grand Canyon, and they went backpacking in Iceland, and they're like 62, almost okay. 63. Yeah. And, you know, they've just raised us to be outdoorsy and active, and two of my sisters are through hikers. My little sister was um, in, like, a company for ballet for a while. So we're just all, like, all over the place, like, athletic. It's really great. Yeah, like I said, it's in your DNA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No, I'm really glad I found the endurance swimming, though, because I feel like I've tried to do like shorter sprinty things and it's just I'm not good at it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of find I like both. Like I love getting on the treadmill and doing like short sprints, mm-hmm. but I also enjoy going for a long run and zoning out and just like listening to music and exploring yeah. the sights. I don't know. There's something I was trying to say this the other day to my partner, like. I I don't have any words for it. Like, I don't know what it is, but your eyes, like they take in the, like your, it's, it's like this energy connection, like the light and the Mm -hmm. water. And I know there's like, this is real. Like there's science. This has something to do with your brain, but that's not even what I'm talking about. It's like, but you know what I'm talking about because when you swim, it's like, you can't explain it. You're in the flow state, I think is what it's called. Yeah. And you're just, I mean, you're just in it. You're seeing, you're exploring this whole world. Everything's new. It's great. And all I the love... information comes in through your eyes. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. I fell in love with cycling actually during the pandemic. I only bike commuted until last like March. And I was actually when I'm, I was supposed to swim Tahoe last summer and I had to come to the harsh realization, like, you're not prepared for that this year and you might make it halfway across the lake and like not be able to finish. Right. And so my coach was like, I think you should postpone it a year. Like they were letting people do that. And I was really, really upset obviously after having to do that. And so I just went on a bike ride that ended up being like 70 miles. And I, at the time was not a biker. Right. (laughs) And I got home and I was like, that was so fun. And so I just accidentally found like cycling and now I, you know, try to do a long ride every week and I've done a couple centuries and it's just, it's so freeing out there. It really is so yeah. amazing. It's so therapeutic. I love it. I love cycling too. I can't wait to get back outside. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. Oh my gosh. I do need to get um, shoe covers though. I still don't have any. Oh yeah. I- Every single time it rains and I go biking, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go buy shoe covers. Just order feet... them online. The Castelli ones are really good. 
I need to, I need, you sound like my friend. <laughs> don't go get them. Just go on Amazon when we hang them. up and hit Castelli. I have the neoprene Castelli shoe covers or, uh-huh. you know, it depends on your kit colors and all the stuff that you are into, but I have black ones. And then I also got POC. Yeah. So I have a POC helmet and I have a, a POC shoe covers, but it depends on how cold it is. I mean, you're in Seattle. It's like pretty freaking cold. So yeah, it's pretty cold. My feet were white this morning. I was like, oh gosh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely 50 degrees for cycling outside is my, I'll go in 45, but like I have a window of how long I can be out there. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, it depends on the wind. But most of the time, like 50 is my happy place. Yeah. But yeah, in the I, right I'm gear. Lucky. I yeah. love the cold. So I'm in a good place for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. So I definitely I'm so excited. I hope that travel becomes good to do again. And whenever you decide to come do the Manhattan swim, we'll have to connect. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. That was the epic. I've, I mean, I've seen people doing it because I live in Battery Park, so I could see people swimming around Manhattan like when they do that. So it's pretty cool. I saw people swimming in the Hudson this summer. Yeah, like, my parents don't want me to do that swim because it's pretty gross. But I was like, I can't get two of the Triple Crown swims in and then not do the last one because the water is gross. Like, just yeah, like, I, can't, can't I think that. it's only gross <laughs> in certain places. It is. Yeah. My coach did it a few years ago and she was like, where it's gross, it's like really gross. But otherwise it's fine. She's like, yeah. you know, you, you can get shots and then just don't drink the water. So I was like, okay. It's that gross. <laughs> oh my God. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I want to see the Statue of Liberty from the water like that. I think that will be amazing. You want to be in the water looking at the Statue of Liberty? Yeah. Cause I could just send you a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I know people are like it's called a boat, Rose. <laughs> I'm gonna just send you a picture tomorrow. Be like, look, yes. <laughs> here you go. No, I mean seriously, like I look at the Statue of Liberty from our apartment, like downstairs, because we live on the oh water. My God. Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful. It's like when I see the water, I want to swim. But then I remember mm-hmm. these things. <laughs> But my good friend does swim run and she's my friend who lives in New Jersey who like does these epic swims also. I mean, she hasn't done a marathon swim, but I'm sure it's on her list. And she sw- she would swim in the Hudson, no problem. Like she, I think she's signed up. There's a company, um, a swim group here called CIBO, like C-I-B-O-W. Uh-huh. Coney Island Beach Swim Club or Open Water Swim or something. I don't know. But they all are like, swimming with you know bikini bathing suits in like freezing water all year long it's the thing about the open water swimmers I mean when I started I was like a onesie and a wetsuit and now I'm like it's bikini season all year baby yeah well that's (laughs) That's the thing it's like hardcore (laughs) it's hardcore I love it I love it I love that hardcore mindset you know where you're like come hell or high water I'm getting in yeah how have sports empowered you off the slopes and out of the water in life I think that they've taught me a lot about handling like my emotions, handling my fears and really just growing and like being happy growing and to always, they've taught me, you know, how to set goals and how to work towards them and just being like consistent. And I think that's really beneficial in a work setting as well. And then I've also learned a lot about myself, about, you know, overcoming depression and anxiety. I had a bit of like a disordered eating kind of thing going on uh, in college. So I had, I didn't really have an issue with food until rowing. It's just, it's such a high pressure environment and you're trying to be like as fast as, you know, 
the best athlete you can be. And at that point, you're kind of willing to do whatever you need to. Right. Um, unfortunately, we didn't always have the best environment, sometimes around food on the okay. team. I yeah. know that's something that I worked a lot on. But yeah, I struggled with it quite a bit. I got pretty low in weight for a couple of years there and was sick a lot. But don't you need to have a lot of weight to be strong? Like, didn't you, or you just, that's not what goes through your mind when you're like on the team, you wanted to be lighter. I think it was really common, at least when I was there, that you kind of wanted to be lighter to be fast. Okay. Um, That's not necessarily always true. It's a fine line. You do want to be kind of light, but you also want to be able to have the power behind it. Right. So you need to Um, be strong. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a balancing act, and I think it's easy to kind of not have it be balanced, and I struggled with that a bit. Sports have also given me a lot of help finding my confidence. Uh, Growing up, I was actually pretty shy. I was very shy (laughs) for a little bit there, and I don't really know what happened, but it was right before I went to college, and I really came out of my shell and opened up, and I really attribute that to the sports that I was doing and my teammates and stuff. And it's really important to be able to talk to people. And there were a few years where I literally like would not talk to people. So I think that's something else I've learned from sports. You are more introverted. Yeah, but now I'm I'm definitely not anymore. No, definitely not. <laughs> now I never shut up. <laughs> You're like rocking Instagram. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and so, what are some big lessons that you take from the water and nature to your everyday life and your overall journey? I would say some of the lessons I've learned from the water and just nature being out in it my whole life is that, you know, I'm, I tend to take myself a little seriously and get wrapped up in my problems. But in reality, I'm a pretty small, I'm a tiny piece in this world, you know, and that's kind of really comforting to think about sometimes because I think it's really easy to get overwhelmed with, you know, whatever problem you're dealing with at the moment. And it's nice to realize like, I'm one person in the whole world, so my problem can only be so big. Right. And then to also realize the beauty in that, too. You know, it's not necessarily a bad thing that you're one person. Like, it's it's a good thing, and it helps kind of put things into perspective. Um, I've also, you know, learned to really listen to my body being out in nature. You have to be really aware you can't always just power through something you know if the conditions are unsafe the conditions are unsafe and you need to you know get out and I think that's important to learn one thing my coach says and I 100% agree is if the ocean says it's not your day it's not your day right and I think that's kind of an important lesson to take through life you know it's not always going to be your day and you have to be able to flex around that and not let it ruin your day because today isn't your day. That's amazing, amazing advice. So how is your nutrition now? Like, what's your diet like? Are you super healthy? Are you into wellness? Like, outside of exercise and fitness? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I try to be pretty healthy, but I also, you know, have the moderation Good. mentality. Yeah. And I, I have, I've never been vegan. I've been vegetarian, which I really struggle with because I tend to be pretty anemic. Yeah, I was like passing out and stuff, which is not good. So I'm not vegetarian anymore. But I I do try to, I do a couple like meatless days a week, just because I think it's important, even from just like an environmental 
standpoint. Right. And I try to be really conscious of like getting, you know, the rainbow of your fruits and veggies. Right. I've tried like paleo because, you know, I did CrossFit for a little bit and everyone who does CrossFit does paleo, which is yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I like bread. <laughs> yeah. I think a balance um, is good. Yeah. Yeah. I think a balance is really good. So I try to just be healthy, but not be a little like not to be too overwhelmed or consumed by what I'm eating, especially because I do kind of have a little bit of like disordered eating. Yes. Tendencies. So you have to be careful. Yeah. A hundred percent. I have to be really careful. You know, I used to count macros and I was lean on macros and everyone was like, Oh my God, you look amazing. But I was really stressed every day because I was like, I have to like hit my macros. And if I didn't, you feel like, yeah, I'm disappointed in myself. Um, and it's just not worth it. Yeah. No, you me. can't let your For mind me. go there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't track anything. I just try to eat and enjoy it. <laughs> when you swim, you need the food, you need the calories, like you need to be eating good things because it takes a lot of energy. I have been waking up really hungry in the morning lately because my swimming has suddenly increased and my body is like freaking out a little bit. What do you eat when you swim when you're doing like these epic marathon swims? Like during a swim? Yeah. So I have a problem with actually eating solid foods when I swim. I tend to just like throw up immediately. Okay. So <laughs> I do all liquid nutrition, which is it worked for the swims, but you know, obviously I wouldn't tell people to do like liquid nutrition if possible. Because I couldn't even imagine you chewing while swimming. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, just having stuff in your stomach when you're getting tossed around in the water is just really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know, maybe TMI, but if you're only doing liquid food, you're only peeing. Right. Which is pretty easy to do out there. Right. It's a lot <laughs> easier. <know>. Yes. <laughs> it's not TMI. Much. But yeah, I do a mix of, I use a lot of like noon and like Carbo Pro. And so I kind of mix those because the Carbo Pro, I just get from Amazon. It's just powdered carbohydrates because you right. need that. Yes. And I usually feed every 30 minutes and okay. I try to get like 150 calories per feed. And so they kind of, it's like when you have, when you're actually doing your, your big swim and you have like your support boat and stuff, they just have a timer set and they usually like hold up a bottle and like, oh, it's feeding time. And <laughs> throw it at you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of how like when I do triathlons, I'll be on the bike and I'm like, I'm not hungry. And I'm like, but you have to eat like it's, I have conversations with myself. I'm sure I'm like all my athlete listeners are cracking uh -huh. up right now because we all do it. And what happens is for the people who don't do it, like they end up bonking at some point of the race. So, yeah, you've got to just be on the program like calories in, calories out, like eating, moving, eating, moving. Yeah. Right. And it really affects your recovery too. My first marathon swim I did, I didn't realize that eating during a swim would be hard. I just didn't think about it at all. I was like, well, I like to eat. It'll be fine. Yeah. And so I didn't practice. And actually during my swim, they were like every 30 minutes, like, here's your, your water. And I would take one sip and I was like, I can't do it. Can't do it. And I was wrecked for days after. I'm like, I could not even get out of bed the next day. My sister had spent the night with me. Thank goodness, because she literally rolled me out of bed and pushed me up the stairs. <laughs> I was not getting there any other way. And having done other longer, harder swims, but having nutrition, I mean, I hurt the next day, but I could move. 
Right. So it really does impact you quite a bit. Moving on from nutrition, what do you do? You mentioned work. I thought this was your job. <laughs> what do you do for work? <laughs> yeah, I work in HR actually for a wine company. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, it's been super fun. Absolutely love it. It's been, HR has been hard with COVID this past year, but it's been a great learning experience. If I can put a positive spin on the COVID situation, that would be it. (laughs) That it was a great learning experience? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was hard for a lot of people, but I can imagine the wine industry was doing well. (laughs) That's not Yeah, actually, it was was really interesting. We actually had a pretty good year. Uh, yeah, and Seattle is the place to be for wine, right? Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about wine when I started this position, so that's been really fun. I've learned a lot. So you just graduated from college like a couple years ago, right? Yeah, Four- in uh, 2016. 2016, got it. Mm-hmm. So you, this is this your first job out of college, or did you have another job before? This is my first, like, I guess, big kid job. I worked at Starbucks for a while. I was a barista for a mom and pop shop in high school. And I love coffee. I love making coffee. It's just fun to give people coffee. I don't know. My partner's 13 year old daughter. Yeah, she's obsessed with Starbucks. I was like, I thought I wanted to open a CrossFit gym. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't loving CrossFit anymore. And I was like, Oh, my God, I don't have a backup plan. And I was like, but I know how to make coffee. So I did that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I actually I worked with Starbucks and I was on their reserve team, which was super cool because you get to work with a lot of different coffee methods. So I did that for about two years, had a blast. And then one of my swim friends was like, hey, I would recommend this company. You should apply. And I got the position. So. That's awesome. That's really great. Do you have like a kind of coffee that you love? I just love all coffee. Yeah. Pretty much. I just drink so much coffee. It's probably bad. <laughs> no, I drink like a cup and a half a day, two cups every morning. Like I can't even see before I have coffee. Like I literally yeah, walk I... from my bed to the kitchen like a zombie <laughs> and my dogs are barking at me and I just, I can't even function before I have coffee. It's so bad. (laughs) No, I can relate. And it's just, it's a comfort thing for me too. Um, I didn't drink coffee growing up, but my parents had coffee every morning. And so I'd wake up and like smell coffee. And so for me, it's like comforting. So I tend to drink it when I'm stressed or upset too, which is bad. (laughs) Because I get in the morning and then I'm having a I'm like, I need more coffee. And then all of a sudden I'm like, more coffee than water and you're like buzzing and you're like this is, this is probably not healthy but it's fun <laughs> are you also a betty ambassador i'm not but i hope to be someday <laughs> i just love your stuff honestly like i have loved betty designs since high school when i think my sister found them i don't know how she found them but she was like oh my gosh look how cute their stuff is and i've been obsessed and it's just They have such fun kits and swimsuits, and I just love that it's small, women-owned. Like, I'm about that, 100%. She's awesome. That's how we connected. Yeah, because you follow her. I liked the that they did because you did a podcast with her. Yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's such a cute picture. And I was reading the caption. I was like, oh, that's really cool. (laughs) And I listened to her podcast with her, and I was like, I love this company even more now. So I have no problem at all, like, just take all my money. I, I need that new kit. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you're cycling. I mean, you should definitely have cute kits. Well, this has been so awesome, Rose. I, I'm really psyched to have connected with you. I really love talking to you. Yes, me too. This was great. I hope we can talk again. Yeah, 100% we will. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. 
in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of, If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. 